and Mice Podcast is the perfect wrestling podcast. There's a guy named Hal and there's Danielle and there's guy Mike Eagle is there as well. Tice and Mice Podcast. Tice and Hey everyone, welcome to Tights and Fights, the show that discusses wrestling with the sincerity and hilarity that it deserves. Now, if you've been listening to this show for a while, you're probably wondering who is this guy talking and why is he not Hal? Um, I am the often silent member of the Nation of Conversation, the show's producer, Julian Burrell, and I'm coming to you from my apartment to let you know that we're taking a break for uh, just one week. We had some uh, obligations, not the least of which was uh, Valentine's Day and some other professional commitments that we all kind of wanted to uh, take precedent for the week um, before WrestleMania season comes up and before uh, Max Fun Drive season also comes up. We kind of just want to take a quick breather, uh, handle our own business, and then come back bigger and stronger than ever next week which I'm really looking forward to. But we still did want to have a show ready for you this week in some way, shape, or form. And I thought that it would be kind of fun to put together a best-of list of sorts. Um, And these are just some of my personal favorite moments that we've ever had on the show, some of my favorite segments that we've ever recorded. Uh, And I think that it'll be really great for people who are new to the show to kind of hear some of those great moments. And for longtime fans, you'll get to revisit some of the fun memories that we had when we first made them. So, uh... Without further ado, let's go to the first installment that I had ready for the day. It's Danielle's beloved signature segment, Misandry Corner. This was actually the first time we ever recorded uh, the Misandry Corner segment. And it's, uh, for those of you who aren't aware, it's where we kind of take some of the more sexist past of wrestling and kind of reframe it and kind of reformat it and put men at the center of that just to kind of have some fun at some moments that were decidedly not fun in a post-woke 2018 mindset that all of us are kind of approaching this from. Uh, So we hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, Here we go. to Tights and Fights. I'm Danielle Radford, and I'm joined in the booth by... Hal Lublin. And... Mike Eagle. How's that feel, Hal? I like it. Does it feel weird? Oh, it's so relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to look at Julian's hands through the window or anything. I'm going to put a havoc up and enjoy this segment. Is that nice? Do you guys feel weird, audience? Huh? Ma- ma- mommy, Daddy, switch spots? That Do weird? you feel weird? I feel like I'm at home. There you go. <laughs> yeah. I like it. So uh, quality women matches are now a staple as WWE programming, as we spoke about earlier. But we can all remember when that was not the case. There was a time when the women were divas and the divas were naked. So now we're going to take a look at the most ridiculous gimmick divas matches. And then we are going to recast these matches to see what they would look like with male wrestlers. This is Missandry Corner. Missandry Corner. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> I can't even add anything to that. It was perfect. That makes me so happy. It's perfect. He's a pro. <laughs> He's so good at this. You should make music for a living. Um, first up on Misandry Corner, we're going to take a look at the Wet and Wild match from Raw on June 12, 2006, with Tori Wilson versus Candice Michelle. Lillian, go on and break the rules of the match down for us, girl. The following is the first ever Wet and Wild Water Contest. Now in the ring, there's water balloons, there's water guns, and there's buckets of water. Everything is legal in this match, but the only way to win is by pinfall or submission. So, uh, that's that. Can I ask you a quick question? Yes, you can. <laughs> you sure can, bud. Did, did you just say that that was on Raw? This is on Raw. This oh was a Raw match. They showed this on free television. They showed this on free. This isn't even the worst thing they've shown on free television. I've got oh I've got buckets of worse ones, but I was like, let's start let's start nice and easy. Yeah. We're going to do a little we're going to we're going to do a little I Tina. We start easy. And then later on down the line, if the segment keeps going, we'll, we'll make it rough. Um, so for those of you who maybe who uh, if you want to go back and watch the match, <laughs> don't do it at work. But <laughs> so the matches, they're obviously in like shorty shorts and like white tank tops. And they um, they just want to get each other wet um, until someone pins someone. Uh, and that's how the match goes. So, guys, you uh, got to watch or rewatch this because uh-huh. we were going to do this for the segment. What were your What were your impressions of this match? Why does Tori Wilson 
halfway through it be like, I'm, I forget what she did, threw her into the corner or something. She's like, now I'm going to almost show you my b-hole as she hikes up her shorts. <laughs> like, look, I get I get. this is all, like the Attitude Era led to this, and I, I'm sure there's plenty that we'll explore there, but it's 2006, and it's like, at, at a certain point, Candace Michelle breaks a balloon. She's like, look at my wet titties. Like, <laughs> but doesn't break it over the shirt, so it's really, like, it's just, what? Why? Like, just, I... Mike, this is all I can think about when I was watching this match is that this is the type of shit what makes my wife not let me show my kid wrestling because this is what yeah. she thinks about. Uh, yeah. She thinks about dumb shit like this. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what it was. And while they're doing it, so the entire thing is like wet and it's covered in like tarp and they've got buckets they're throwing on each other. It's all very stupid. They're trying to still have a wrestling match. Obviously, neither one of these women are, are really known for wrestling, but they also have to be really ginger when they do it so they don't die. Candice Michelle is actually wearing like wrestling shoes, which go ahead, girl. That's mm-hmm. fine. Um, <laughs> at, at one point, she, uh, Tori like goes to whip her into the corner and instead of like, you know, doing that thing where you like run and like fall into the corner, she kind of very gingerly clops over to the corner. She like high steps it. (laughs) So she doesn't die. Um, And of course you get all of the great um, puppies references. My favorite thing of this era was always um, the way that JR would pretend like he didn't get what King was saying. That's always been one of those highlights. Like if King would say something like, it's her puppies and she's actually carrying a puppy and he'll be like, oh, you mean the you mean the dog that she's carrying? Talk about that little dog she got under her arm. <laughs> Clearly, like Lawler, I mean, he's wife shopping. Certainly, right? there's at least pre cum in his pants by the end of this match. Yeah, he has like how he calls raging it. erection the entire he's just time. Like, slow, he's like, can I rub it with my crown? And, oh my and Jim won't he's notice. He's about to knock the entire table over <laughs> yeah. from underneath. How did he wait until just recently to have that heart attack? Like, how was it not during <laughs> any of the Sables matches? So now we're gonna do the. We've covered the misogyny. So now I want to talk a little bit about uh, the misandry. Mm-hmm. I want to flip it. Who? What two male wrestlers would you put in a now a wet and wild match? A- any era or any era? Oh man, I think you got to go. Uh, what Bastion Booger? I, I thought about Bastion Booger too. <laughs> and uh, the Undertaker. No, I'm thinking. I'm thinking like maybe like a Big Daddy V. You know what I mean? Oh, let's, get, let's, get, let's get it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, let's we're, get gonna, it. we're gonna get that gaze. Let's get that gaze. Let's get it. You know what I mean? Let's, That's true. Let's let's get like eight boobs. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> all the way down. Yeah. They didn't even have abs. They were so big there was boobs. Let's get the yeah. teats. Let's get them yeah. teats going. They, they were like the guy in Return of the Jedi who had like <laughs> yeah. that guy's got eight tits. <laughs> For sure he does. I can tell. He's real Malakili. I think it's Malakili the rank keeper has multiple titties <laughs> or maybe it's a woman in java who knows you know what gender's fluid on Tatooine. that's true right. gender is fluid that across the be, universe that would be a good match because batch and booger flopped like it was basically just a big fat guy wrapped in some <laughs> and maybe some bandages <laughs> poor mike shaw he was also he was also friar ferguson yeah he was friar yeah. ferguson oh, he had another I one too about friar yeah. ferguson yeah. yeah which is fair <laughs> what do you think <laughs> yeah. now who would you I would do. I think I want to see the Undertaker in a match like that. You know what? Why not make it the blow off to an Undertaker Kane feud? Oh my God, go. that's great! Because how else are you gonna put Kane's fire out but yeah. with water? And if he wins, he can he can uh, set the ring ring post on fire and dry off afterwards. <laughs> oh, do they wear all white? Is that also what you're? Picturing? Yeah, they're in white versions, white. but like the the 1998 K, where it's like a full body suit and then one arm is free, but it's all white. <laughs> and then the Undertaker's in a white. Uh, uh, is it his white American badass gear? I just love the I love the visual of Kane doing the Candace Michelle just <laughs> the balloon, over rubbing it over his torso. Yeah, Undertaker yeah. flossing his ass in front of everybody, <laughs> pulling his tights up. After he rides down, instead of a motorcycle, he's on one of those giant wheeled beach tricycles he can ride under the water. 
Uh, <laughs> Who would you put in it? I, I kind of I was thinking about it, and um, I think maybe that should be the blow off to this best friends feud. Uh, is you just have uh, uh, Owens and Jericho? There's no other way. Because in the same way that this um, the Wet and Wild match wasn't for anything, it was for like the, the winner. And I don't think they even called it a match. I think they called it a contest. Yeah. To like because they knew which is that was nice. <laughs> they was like, no, we're not calling this a match. So it was to get on like the cover of like their summer edition or whatever. So in that. <laughs> same way you could have Jericho and Kevin Owens fight for the one true list <laughs> but you do it with a bunch of like water balloons and like super soakers you could have you would have him go it's the water of Jericho drink it, it in, in baby <laughs> <laughs> oh so that <laughs> Oh, that's fantastic. So that's what I that's that's what I think that I want. Yeah. You'd have to be able to see the outlines of Peen. Oh no, that's the whole that's point. That's the only if, way. If like, we're doing no. no, if we're doing this, if yeah. we're doing a gender swapped version, the whole point of it does have to be But it is is a is a is a the outline of a flaccid penis, is that is that appealing to you really? Yeah. That's a good oh, it question. Be, it same question. It couldn't be flaccid in the same way now, that if wait it were. Now wait a minute. Because <laughs> <I mean, laughs> well, Tori definitely had. She did something. They kept grabbing their titties when they thought no one was looking. They were clearly trying to make their nipples hard because the whole point is so, wet shirt, hard nips. So Kane's got to be in it, or or, or Owens in this case yeah. got to yeah. be. He's got to be in his pants, making <laughs> it happen. Like you know what I mean. I guess you just got to keep it at a chub the whole time. <laughs> you have to stuff it, maybe. Stuff it. You got to see the outline. <laughs> Uh, oh gosh, how would you how would you do you that for this? Yeah. Through it I all, I have it because now I have to because now I'm like, well, I don't want them I don't want them touching themselves during the match. <laughs> oh, I'll give the men I'll give the men the dignity that they won't give us. No, you know what? Let them have boners and then do have them look like the ballerinos in Top Secret, where they've got giant boners <laughs> that the ballerinas are dancing and standing on. <laughs> Boy, are my references too that's far out a, there for anybody listening? That's you got bad. it. You were there. I was there. You were there. Come on. Oh, geez. So. Um, so that's going to bring us to the end. Of the, of the, of the, we ended on boners. I always that's feel great. like this Yay. segment is always going to end on boners, you guys. Um, so what misogyny and what what great uh, misogynistic matches would you like us to talk about here? And uh, what misandry would you like to see in wrestling's past or present? Let us know at facebook.com slash groups slash tightsfights or at tightsfights on Twitter. Following the news is hard and it sucks. How do you know which stories are important? Which sources do you trust in this post-truth world of reactionary journalism? I'm Brett Black. And I'm Travis McElroy. And we host a podcast called Trends Like These. We cover trending news stories. We debunk misleading clickbait headlines. And we always try to throw in a little bit of good news. In our quest for truth. So join us every week on MaximumFun.org or wherever podcasts are found. Shirts, stickers, patches, posters, tote bags, aprons. Sure, you might have some of these things already, but do they rep your favorite MaxFun shows? We've got brand new items in stock at MaxFunStore.com. So why not stock up on gear that shows off the podcasts you love? MaxFunStore.com. It's good stuff. We swear. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm your host, Julian Burrell, on this off week of the show as we kind of take care of some obligations before diving back in next week with all of the wrestling nonsense that we are sure to experience. Up next is a My Special Wrestler piece with comic book creator Box Brown. Now, My Special Wrestler is this segment where we invite people to come onto the show and tell us about one superstar who really had an impact on them, someone who they, they kind of just stuck with throughout their entire career that they just still remember and have all these memories of and can talk about at length. And Box Brown is actually going to be discussing one of the greatest heels of all time, Ravishing Rick Rude. Let's hear it. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin. With me as usual to talk about all things wrestling are... I'm Danielle Radford. And... Michael Eagle. And it's time for another installment in our series, My Special Wrestler, where we invite folks onto the show to tell us about someone from the world of wrestling who they found especially affecting. Our next guest has written a comic book about one iconic wrestler, but he's got someone else he'd like to give the spotlight to. Hi, I'm Vox Brown, 
comics artist and creator of Andre the Giant Life and Legend, the comic biography of Andre the Giant. My special wrestler is Rick Rude. Could have been the number one bad guy in WWF, and he kind of was that way in WCW. And I know that you're here for the same reason all these other ladies are here, and that is to see Ravishing Rick Rude. Am I right? Between his gross mustache and misogynist attitude, Ravishing Rick Rude was a true heel. But Box Brown doesn't think that he ever really got his due. I always feel like Rick Rude got short shrift his whole career because he ended up leaving WWF because Hulk Hogan didn't want to work with him. So he never really could get like that main event spot. So he ended up going to WCW and he immediately was like the main eventer there and like the champ. But it happened to be at a time when Ric Flair had, like, jumped over to WWF. A new champion! Rudis did it! Rudis defeated Nature Boy Ric Flair for the World Heavyweight title! And then, like, Hulk Hogan comes back to WCW, and Rick Rude's in the same position. Like, Hulk Hogan doesn't want to work with him. He's the champ. And so he, like, got screwed over in that way. I just think that Rick Rude... Uh, was so great, and he was such a great heel. Got the music. Got something to say to him as usual. He'd like get out there and immediately insult the entire crowd. He would come up with like a new, you know, insult that kind of had the same first letter as the the city they were in, and it was just this awesome thing. You'd immediately hate him, even if you didn't know who he was. What I'd like to have right now is for all you fat. Rick Rude, in the middle of his career, in like the prime of his career, sits out of pro wrestling for like four years. Finally, he comes back and he's in DX. And then he leaves DX and he's on Nitro and Raw on the same day, like at the same time. Like no one else ever did that. the WWE network to like somehow do this where you can watch episodes of Raw and Nitro on the same night that they were on and kind of in real time flip back and forth between the two because that's what we used to do you know it was like if there was a bad match on Nitro you'd flip over to Raw when there was a commercial you'd flip back to Nitro so like I remember hearing like oh I think Rick Rude's contract is running out He's he, he might show up on Nitro and then all of a sudden, he shows up at the same time. Oh, what a difference a day makes! It, it was such a bad thing for WWF where it was just like, oh, man, that just, like, proves it right there. Raw is, like, taped and Nitro is live. It really made a big difference somehow. Give it up for Ravishing Rick Rude! I don't know if I remember, like, particularly where I was when Rick Rude died, but I remember being pretty sad about it. And I felt like he had more time left in him, and, you know, he was only 39. I think he would have been a great instructor for, like, up-and-coming heels. Uh, He just had this perfect wrestling attitude that was just, like, all the girls love me. I could, like, whip anybody's ass. It's just so classic. You can apply that to, like, any heel, and it would just make it that much better. I've beat you before. I'm going to beat you once more. I'm going to step over your carcass, and I'm going to walk out the door. Comic creator Box Brown. 
In addition to Andre the Giant, Life and Legend, he's got a new book out. It's called Tetris, The Games People Play. We'll have a link to where you can get a copy of both titles on our show page at MaximumFun.org. And coincidentally, we're recording this on December 7th, which is Rick Rude's birthday. Uh, and I'll say, I've always thought of Rick Rude as one of those guys who falls into the same class of wrestler as Mr. Perfect, where, like, always had good matches, great mid-card guy, seemed like the person who would make a baby face that was getting ready for a main event run, but I would have loved to see a world title on Mr. Perfect, just as I would have loved to have seen the world title on Rick Rude. Unfortunately, that was a time when Hogan was on top, and whether... You believe Hogan and it's the booking or whether you believe everybody else and and it was (laughs) Hogan, um, it just wasn't meant to be for him to get that high. So that's that's always what I think of when I think of Rick Rude. That and and him having um, Jake the Snake's wife (laughs) airbrushed on his crotch. That was fucking amazing. (laughs) It was so great. Danielle, what about you? Um, unfortunately, like I didn't because there, he was like that was way before I started really getting into wrestling. So my first like introduction to Rick Rude was when he was like that hot second he was in DX. Okay, which is not probably the best way. To <laughs> not the best word. Not the best no. word. Not the best. Not the best way to get. To, so I've gone back and I've looked at matches and stuff, but I think. I think he's great. I think I would have appreciated him more if I would have watched it when I was younger. Because right. now you look back at stuff like. Peyton, someone's wife on your dick, and uh, and and with my fresh 2016 eyes, I'm like mm-hmm. a, little, a little Enzo, yeah, yeah, yeah. A, little, a little Enzo. I don't, know, I don't know if I like that. Um, so yeah, it's it's one of those things that makes me wish I would have been like a WCW person, not like like a WCW in like the like. 80s. Right. <laughs> and like early 90s. Right. I'm, I'm going back and I'm rediscovering all that stuff. That is, is the, the great thing about the WWE Network, not to like give it an overt plug. Yeah, they ain't giving us can, no money. You can go back and watch a lot of great matches and catch up on people you've never seen before, including Rick Rude. Uh, Mike, what are your thoughts on the Ravishing One? And do you have a particular match that you would suggest people check out if they're not familiar with You know, I don't, I don't, I wasn't that familiar with each individual match, but when I first started paying attention to wrestling, one of the prominent views of the time was, um, was Rick Rude and Ultimate Warrior. Okay. Um, mm. And, you know, early live events I'd gone to in my life, Rick Rude was on the card. So we're like part of the audience that he was uh, insulting. And it was great. <laughs> it really made you want to watch him get beat up. And it was one of those classic scenarios where, you had this heel who um, all the guys hated, but the women used to really scream and hoop and holler for. Yeah, uh, and he used to come out in a towel or come out in a robe and, yes. and and tell them he was. This is what they had all come to see, and it would be legit women screaming, like <laughs> legit, like. <laughs> And, and and he had a you know a great body, a great look, and he was an awesome worker in the ring too because he went from that kind of uh, prima donna narcissistic character to being like really vicious in the ring, uh, and it worked out good. But I think I think of him as being a person who he was a product of the territory era, and he's a great example of why like it would be great if something like that was still around because when he started, he started in like mid the Mid Atlantic territory. He was uh, Ricky Rude. Yeah. He was a smiling guy, you know what I mean? He was a baby face. And he really he had no character. He had very little skills. But he went from Mid Atlantic and I think he went to Memphis and I think he went to Mid South and then he started to figure out this character. So by the time he gets ultimately back to Memphis and has figured out the character by having that sort of interaction in all these territories where you can try to figure something out and then before it gets stale you can move on and keep working on it and workshopping it. Um you know, by the time he was done that second time in Memphis, he was ready for the national stage. Yeah. He had a gimmick that translated on that level. And that's just something like, you know, it's sad that that's not around anymore. There's guys who like who are put on television now that are super green that have to kind of figure it out in front of all of us. And this is like the worst position to be in as a wrestler. Like you want them to have it figured out already. You want them to know what character archetype they connect to. So us as fans, like we're not ahead of them. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah, they're supposed to be manipulating our emotions. Yeah, folks are open-miking it on Monday Night Raw. Yeah. Exactly, I mean, exactly. We, we talk about Ring of Honor, we talk about PWG, and there are lots of great independent promotions, but you don't have those regional loops you where know. you loan your champion out, and that champion works his way from city to city, back and forth again, 
not only developing his character like Rick Rude did, but also developing a persona within each town. So when he comes back to Texas the next time, they're either looking forward to him or can't wait until the next time he leaves. Yeah, the old NWA system was incredible. He had one champion that used to go to each territory and, and... you know, he couldn't be in that territory every month. So whenever he was in that territory, it, it brought business up because he was a nationally recognized star. And whoever your best star was at the time, you put him up against him. And, you know, it, it raises the bar for everything. You yeah. Know? Well, Rick Rude, no doubt taken from us too soon. But thankfully, we'll always get to appreciate his work on the Internet. Okay, now before we get on to the next piece, I want to just let everyone know that Box Brown does have another book coming out. It's entitled, Is This Guy For Real? It's all about Andy Kaufman, another guy who was huge in the wrestling industry back in the day, a very famous comedian and TV star, a guy who just had the most amazing life. And I think that Box Brown is just a great guy to tell that story. And I'll be reaching out to him really soon to see if he can join us to chat about this um, sometime in the next few weeks. But for right now, we're going to close out the show with the second ever ringtone segment, our segment where we talk about music of wrestlers throughout the ages. Uh, And this was with Hannibal Burris. Now, fun fact about this, we didn't plan on having comedian Hannibal Burris show up on the show the week that we recorded this. He was actually just with Mike on the day of... And he was just in the office and I was like, oh, would you like to join us for uh, this quick segment where we talk about music for a while? And of course, he was kind enough to take some time and talk with us. And it was really, really great. It's still one of my favorite um, things that we've ever done for the show. And you'll hear me laughing uh, in the background for almost the entire segment. Um, So without further ado, let's hear this final segment on this episode of Tights and Fights. Tights and Fights Podcast. Tights and Fights. Welcome back to Tights and Fights. I'm Hal Lublin, and I'm joined in the booth by... Danielle Radford. And... Mike Eagle. And joining us just for this segment, special guest, comedian Hannibal Burris. Welcome. Hey, what's up? How you doing? Doing well. (laughs) We found him wandering around on the street. (laughs) Just really relaxed. Yeah. (laughs) I've been listening to parts of the podcast. I I was sitting out there listening, and then I'll get overwhelmed. (laughs) <laughs> and then I'll stop I'll take the headphones off for a little bit <laughs> then I'll go back to listening again and I get overwhelmed I feel it. like that should be one of our iTunes ratings <laughs> yeah. there it is there it is five stars five stars I get overwhelmed sometimes five stars be like Hannibal who says <laughs> y'all are overwhelmed well you know it's not you all because you sound like you know what you're talking about it's just I don't really know what's going on in wrestling and so when you get really specific it's like when i when i listen to political radio and sometimes they're speaking about politics in a way that i can't talk about it i could still kind of catch on but when it's wrestling and i'm not watching <laughs> wrestling i'm like Oof, they are getting deep <laughs> so i take the headphones off for a little bit and then i'm in my own thoughts and, then I, and i come back in so i learned a little bit and i missed some parts too that's right <laughs> Well, now we trapped you in here with us. So yeah, there's nowhere to go. This booth. Does the audience do they have a visual of what this booth is? Oh no, because no. it's kind of like a. It seemed like we're about to fight each other. <laughs> That is like a, a Royal Rumble countdown clock. Yeah. Right there. We're all in four quarters right. in a swap. And every, every 30 seconds, somebody else from Maximum Fun comes, comes in to the door. We're and constantly looking at one another yeah. to see who's going to go, who's making the first move. Yeah. I don't want anybody to get hurt. Just waiting for someone to throw weapons in the middle. Let's agree not to fight just for this segment. Down. I wouldn't want to do that. Well, not, I, just, I don't agree, honestly. <laughs> I'm, well, then we'll all team up on Mike. Okay, tight. Entrance music is often the first impression that a wrestler gets to make with a live crowd to get on board with their character. From the good to the bad, we're going to take a special look at entrance music. This is ringtones. I assume at some point we'll have a little theme. Crazy that this doesn't have its own music, but that's fine. Uh, this week, we're going to be focusing on none other than Hunter Hearst Helmsley, a.k.a. Triple H, a.k.a. the man of a thousand other names. Hannibal, are you have you been a wrestling fan at some point? At some yeah, point yeah. So, so you, I'm familiar with Triple H. Sure. What, yeah. what era of Triple H do you know best? Well, I know the super early rich guy, mm-hmm. the rich guy persona into DX. Okay. Into the out of DX, and now I'm sort of familiar with the 
the son-in-law of the owner. Vibe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sort of familiar with that vibe, but I don't really know the the real dynamics of it. Great. Well, then uh, let, we'll, we'll take you through his career sort of in order. As he pointed out, he came in as the Blue Blood, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, in the hunting jacket and, mm-hmm. and pants. He did an elaborate bow. And this was his music. Oh, shit. Oh, oh you don't you remember this. <laughs> yeah. I do not remember this. Uh-huh. This shit sound like family ties. He had a robe man. that they would take off. He was, oh a very, he was a very fancy lad. Yeah. He was the fanciest lad. This, is, this hurts. Yeah, I was about to say, this is infuriating. <laughs> I don't like it at all. It mm. does sound like someone should be offering someone Grey Poupon. Yeah. Oh, my God. It's a way too much harpsichord for any wrestler <laughs> or for a crowd to have to address. But that's the whole thing. It makes you, you hate him immediately because yeah. this music is playing. Right. Yeah. It makes you want to shit in your hand and throw it at him. <laughs> wow. It, really does. it does. It's like this stuff is too clean. This is too clean. Yeah. <laughs> Well, he did remember he feuded with the Godwins. Yeah, and they put him in a shit match. Yeah, this they put was him in a shit match. It was because of his music. It was because of his music. Wait, there was a shit match? Well, they had a pig pen match. Oh. Yeah. And basically, it looked like shit. I don't yeah. Knowing them, it probably was some little, a little bit of real shit mixed in there. There's always a little bit That's of shit. That's how they get you. Everything they do. A little bit of real shit. <laughs> a little bit of shit. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> I love that, that Like we're big fans of this thing where... We know at a certain point somebody's going to get put in shit. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's going to happen. Once a year, they break out the shit tub. Yeah, well, sometimes it's Hunter Hearst Helmsley, sometimes it's his wife, but mm-hmm. someone's going somebody, in shit. Somebody. <laughs> One of those two is going in the shit every <laughs> single year. It's a family tradition, like Thanksgiving. Uh, so he moved on from that, of course, to DX with Shawn Michaels, and then this was his theme. Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. My body's ready. Your body ready? <laughs> My body ready. <laughs> Do you guys uh, remember, I think it was WrestleMania uh, 14, when they had the live band playing a bunch of different themes, including this one, was and it, it s- sounded terrible? Yes. <laughs> this is very much not meant to be played by a live anything. Yeah. This is, this is not good live, especially over a PA system, but yeah. still like a good piece of music. Yeah. I love right, the Pete. angst in this. Like it's very yeah. much like, yeah, I'm not gonna clean my room. Yeah. Right, I'm gonna I'm gonna show my bare ass on screen, <laughs> chop my crotch. A bunch of them chop my crotch a lot. We're going to put on masks in front of Sergeant Slaughter because he spits when he talks. <laughs> Wait. Little windshield wipers on him. They, because as, as DX developed, when they would have the the package, uh, the video package of them doing just mischievous stuff to the music. <laughs> yeah. But what did they do when it first started? I you, think it... Did I, they just, did they have... Oh, just regular clips of Shawn Michaels? It was their high school class pictures. (laughs) (laughs) But I remember what they did for a while is that they would show just like random shit, like cars crashing or something like that. Explosions. And they would cut it in between them footage of them actually walking to oh, the yeah. ring. That's right. And there was yeah. the one of like the lady who would do like the... Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. The lady yeah. shaking her head around. Yeah, the sexy shadow lady who doesn't sexy, have a name or sexy face. Sexy shadow lady. I used to love <laughs> yeah. the, the shot of the people that would just run up to a cage and grab it. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like a chain link fence yeah. or something. Right. <laughs> something, something underground yeah. is happening. Yeah. 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 Filmed in the Thunderdome. <laughs> right. <laughs> Went there live and filmed that video. So but, I just imagine they were escaping a world in which they weren't allowed to watch wrestling. Yeah. <laughs> and so they were coming to their new life where wrestling was yeah. available. <laughs> and well, do you remember uh, this? This is not a triple. We're going to move on to his next theme in a second. But do you remember the version of the DX theme that was done by Run DMC? Yes, in yes. yeah. The yeah. King of Rock, Julian? y'all. That's my hobby and job. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what uh, Reverend Run said. My hobby and job. My yeah. hobby and job. You know what? If your if your job is your hobby, you never work a day in your life. That's yeah. right. <laughs> that's what they say. Wisdom, guys. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I 
I definitely feel like Run DMC just did this from home and sent these in. Mm -hmm. I was like, well, y'all already got the music, so we'll just... This happened from like 1.30 to like 2.15 on a Thursday, and they were like, here you go, we're done. Yeah, and it had to be that long because there were 900 members of DX, and they would come out single file. I was about to ask, did they start rapping at any point? Because that went on for like for like half a minute. No, they just they just have questions about the King of Rock. That's all. Yeah, this was a whole video too. Mm -hmm. It was like a single. weren't they in front of like a barrel fire or something? Some shit. Like every open in a row was. It was base. It was basically that. Run DMC at the raw opening set. Yeah. Barrel fires and people Where fighting on top of cars and shit. finding all of these like empty parking lots to just light trash on fire? <laughs> Have you ever been to Stanford, Connecticut? <laughs> That's all it is. It's just a tetanus playground. No, Bridge, Bridgeport. Oh, more Bridgeport? Like, yeah, Bridgeport? That's where they Bridgeport's more like Yeah, that, Stanford really. is huge houses and they're gonna oh. write you about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You're definitely gonna hear from your HO. Finally <laughs> on the map. The Stanford neighborhood council will not allow a trash fire <laughs> at all. Dear sir, I never write letters like this, but I had to bring to your attention the, the terrible rusty fires are in Bridgeport. <laughs> Uh, okay, so when when Triple H finally breaks off from Shawn Michaels, and he's on his own, he's gotten rid of China DX. Uh, they they introduced what has become sort of the bedrock of his, of every theme he's had since, and what I think is the best theme that he's ever had, and that is called My Time, and it sounds like this. Yeah, our time is tight. Is this on? I'm gonna sample that shit. That shit yeah. yeah, please do. I like it. It reminds me of the movie Hackers. Right. <laughs> green, green lasers and shit everywhere. <laughs> Fucking great. And this is the start of his five-minute entrance. With the where, water. Yeah. Yep. yeah. He's got the water. He pours it on his head. The top of the ramp slowly comes down, makes his way to the apron, spits it in the air after looking around at everybody. Yeah. And it took... For a while at WrestleMania, I would time his entrance and The Undertaker's entrance. Mm. Yeah. And that was the only matchup I was interested in who took longer. <laughs> Man in the mat. But this this also is like a meta song where he talks about the marks. Like yeah. Man, so it's, oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It brings up the marks. Really? Yeah. Yeah, so he's talking about the fans. And it's like, a, it is an anthem for who is, it really accurately captures who his character was becoming at that time. And it was right before, it was like the summer uh, that he won the championship, the mm. day after SummerSlam. All I can think about when I hear it is him at the top of the stage with China and he's got the sledgehammer. Like, yes. It's like just, they were just dominant. They yes. Ran rough shot all over the roster in that time, man. It was a great time. Conquering heroes, yeah, for man. sure. Didn't she use, I, did she use this music for a while? Before she got her, probably don't treat me like a woman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like I'm pretty sure she used, except without the one, two. Is, Is this, this the one? one? <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure that she used. Hey, can you run that again? Can you run the beginning again? That shit is hilarious. One, two. Is this on? Why did they keep that in there? Yeah. Oh my god. Is that god. the same guy who sings That's the, the same DX? Dude. Yeah, it's the same dude. <laughs> it's that same he was dead really dude. feeling himself, dude. <laughs> It's like, no, keep that in. Keep that in. That was great. That was great. <laughs> Terry, the microphone is on. You, go. you can see the red light. I mean, it's not. Put some reverb on that. <laughs> Do you think he's got a whole album that's him going like, knock, knock? <laughs> I know that was your answer, machine message, but I think you're there. Answer. <laughs> I'm so sorry that guy's passed away because I'm sure we could get him on here. Oh. oh, we for sure could get that guy on here. We could probably not. get somebody from the band. You know, somebody's still alive, probably. <laughs> One of the dancers. Yeah, sure. The lady. The, we can the, get that shadow lady. What's shadow she doing? <laughs> it's been 20 years. She's just like at home in Omaha with her four kids. <laughs> Waiting by the phone. <laughs> Wait, but it's an older guy that wrote the music, right? Yes, uh, Jim, yeah. Johnston. Jim Johnston. Yeah, well, I don't know wrote, if Jim Johnston wrote all of those songs, though. I think he did. I think did he wrote he? DX. So I remember going back to revisit some walk-ups, some, some entrances, mm -hmm. and then I was like, and then in, in the suggested videos, you could get, you could find out who wrote it, huh. and they were like behind the song. And he was like, yeah, I was trying to create this vibe of just rebelliousness and... <laughs> 
Yeah, y'all should get him. Oh, you you know what? Because yeah. the uh, the thing was too. I remember in that era, like he was making themes for people that were like kind of too boisterous, and mm-hmm. Austin brought him uh, a Rage Against the Machine song and told him oh, to make his theme God. off of that. So I think that's when he just started yeah. doing guitar riffs. Uh, oh yeah. my God, that one too makes so much more sense because that is something that like a 45, 50 year old man thinks is rebellious. Yeah. I'm just going to count in like a rebellious <laughs> way. That leave, makes so much more sense now. Leave the counting in there. <laughs> kids the kids love are it. doing these yeah, things. They love it. They're always counting things everywhere they go. Hannibal, what is your favorite entrance music of all time? Doesn't matter. Doesn't have to be Triple H. Obviously. Uh, I mean, Voodoo Child. That's okay. fucking great. Yeah, Voodoo Child, Hulk Hogan. Because I didn't, I didn't even. I that's actually how I found out about Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> like one hundred percent. I was like, this this shit is great. <laughs> my but and then my my buddy. Uh, I was. I think this was my, my sophomore year or something in high school. And I'm like, who was that? He's like, that's Jimi Hendrix. I'm like, this dude. Gotta see him live sometime. <laughs> <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> but yeah, like the just image of Hulk Hogan like walking using the belt as a guitar. Yeah. 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 That's amazing. This was in WCW. Yeah, WCW. Okay. And that's why I bought I think I bought like uh Whatever, like a Jimi Hendrix Greatest Hits album mm-hmm. because of that song. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, Razor Ramon. Oh, the, 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 the yeah. With the car crash. I think that's beginning. from, um, uh, I forget. I think that's from a band, though. I can't think of the band, but I remember looking it up. But, uh, yeah, Razor Ramones, the, uh, the NWO, the, 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 the original NWO music. The Wolfpack music wasn't bad either. I hated that shit. You hated the Wolfpack? <laughs> that's a that's a rap beat that you could tell Jimmy Hart made. You could tell, <laughs> could tell some old white man from Nashville <laughs> thought yeah. that was rap music. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because they try to rhyme uh, destruction and wrestling. Oh, yeah. what? Yes. Right. Wolfpack is back, causing mass destruction. Guess who's here? The bad boys of wrestling. Oh man, huh? that sounds like that sounds like Wyclef rap, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not even trying. Uh, well, let, let's get back to Hunter Hurstelsley, who was, I guess, a lifelong Motorhead fan, and as he developed as the game, his dreams became a reality as they composed a new theme song for him. And it is three hours long and sounds like this. (laughs) (laughs) Time to play the game. There's a nine-year-old Julian who's getting very hyped right now. That shit hard. But this is, <laughs> yeah. but this is directly off the... You don't get this without the other song. Right. This is basically the same riff. Yep. Yeah. I, but with more laughter. Triple H's, Triple H's love of Motorhead is like my favorite thing about him. Because this was back in the... You know, before now when everyone's got like Instagram and Twitter and even though we don't know them, we get more of an idea of their personality. Mm-hmm. This was like the first time and his kind of like love of Motorhead where it was like, oh, this is like a thing that this dude actually likes. He's a huge metal nerd. Um, and I just I don't know. I find the idea of metal nerd Triple H super charming. <laughs> I just like it. Yeah, it's true. And it does also carry the theme of describing who he is. Yes. As a character, which not many people's songs do or have. Done. What are they saying on this to describe? Uh, him? Oh, they they're like um, they go like <laughs> which in English. No, there's a lot of like I am the game. You don't want to play me. I'm. I am. Yeah, I'm in control. Yeah. But that was his, yeah, his whole stuff. thing at the time. He was the game, and you know, he's the smartest guy. Like you mind know, mind games, cerebral assassin, yeah. all yeah. that type of shit. Even though the you can't hear, it does sound like a dog with a cold. It's like, <laughs> I'm the game. I'm gonna marry the owner's wife, or the, owner, the, the owner's daughter. In real life, <laughs> you have up to a year to give me a gift. That's polite. <laughs> yeah, 
<laughs> I am going to climb socially. <laughs> I just realized, like, every, like, a lot of these people who wrote, who were, like, performed in Triple H's songs are dead. Oh, yeah, Lemmy just died. Oh, Lemmy's dead. Conspiracy theory. Follow the money, guys. <laughs> it's a trail of dead bodies. Where's my royalties? Boys. Yeah. <laughs> Get rid of them, Dad. <laughs> that money's coming back to the family. <laughs> Shit. So, so from there, he's stuck with Motorhead. Motor, Motorhead is... So he's he's been... The game, and now he's the king of kings. That's his thing now. And so uh, it, with with the last energy left in his body, <laughs> let me <laughs> perform this song, The King of Kings. No, this is another great song that, that denotes where he is now because he has now taken his place as the boss's uh, son-in-law, as the king of the company and chief operating officer. Which I think he might be. He's a, I think he's like an executive vice president in reality, but yeah, he's yeah. VP of talent. Yep. Yeah, he's way up there in the company, and this song reflects that. Behold the king, the king of kings. On your knees, dog. Oh. I know, right? Yeah. On your knees, dog. I thought it said on your knees punk for a while, and I was like, what are you talking about? Yeah. And then I was said, wrong. I thought it said on your knees duck. Ducks don't have knees. That's what I thought. <laughs> I was very confused. <laughs> it actually like tells a story, too, if you listen to it. Yeah. About, like this conquering king who like, killed all of his enemies or something like that. His name and his face. It's like the Ballad of Beowulf, but... <laughs> If, if Beowulf married the boss's daughter, I guess. <laughs> and then Beowulf got married, <laughs> became my manager. Yeah, yeah sound like a freestyle. <laughs> <laughs> and then Shawn Michaels went away. And, yeah. I thought it was to cut the ponytail. Uh, <laughs> oh, and NXT is pretty cool. <laughs> They weren't taking me seriously at the board meeting. And, you know, I've been laid off the steroids. <laughs> I'm looking at different minivans for my family. <laughs> I've got girls. <laughs> my favorite thing about this theme is that he would only use it when he was, like, coming out to the ring to talk. Right. Oh, like, it wasn't for wrestling? It wasn't for fighting. It was when you heard this It was one. him as a businessman. Yeah, get scared, because he's about to come give oh, you a talking right. to. right. Oh, he yeah. goes back to the game. The yep. game is who you wrestle. Right. The King of Kings is who he's become. He really does, like, I mean. He really is oh. a cerebral he's, assassin. He's kind of a malign dude because yeah. for the all the reasons we're talking about. But yeah. He's been through a lot in oh, his career. I do like No stuff. Chance in Hell, too. No Chance is kind of funny. Oh, that's yeah. a fan. No that's chance one of the greatest theme songs of all time. Let's get a little Vince McMahon in there. I mean, it is family now. Because it, it was used uh, initially for, what was the purpose it was for? Was it was it, a it was always his music. Was it No, it was else? like, I think it came when he started using that persona. I think somebody... We're trying to, I don't know if somebody's trying to get a match like or a something was happening. Yeah, and it was like, no chance. You got no chance. But then he just kept it. Uh, uh, it's probably it was with Austin. Right, it was like right after Vince or uh, Brett got fired, you know, with the Montreal Screwdrop and all that. Right. He started leaning into the Mr. McMahon thing. And, oh, and yeah. it was that same band, I think, too. Yep, it was that same band. No chance, because that's what you got. <laughs> Three, four, is this still on? <laughs> <laughs> no chance. That's what you got. <laughs> oh, a lot of unnecessary us. Snow pants. <laughs> Snow pants in hell. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, legs are sweating. <laughs> I just always like that. Pop it! It's like, whoa, yeah. calm down. And him kicking his legs out of that walk like he oh, shit that his walk, pants. Yeah. That 
Hannibal, you've seen the clip. Have you ever seen the clip of, of Vince McMahon coming down to the ring at the Royal Rumble and he tears his quad? <laughs> he gets into the ring to real restart life. a match. Real life. And he he tears his quad, so he gets in and he's sitting there with his straight legs out, he tore directing quads, and yelling yeah. at people that he injured himself again getting out. Mm. I think he hurt himself once getting in and what, he wound up tearing both of his quads. Oh. He's just sitting there like... It was the weirdest it's looking so thing. It's so bizarre. And he just yeah. did it walking. He was doing a strut. I yeah. think it was when he tried to get into the ring, he like, because, you know, a lot oh, of those dudes, right. he didn't use the steps. He tried to do that thing, which he was too old for, I guess. To slide in, to jump slide aside. In. Yeah. And that's when he like. Oh, man. He like shredded on like the ring apron, I think. Ugh. Bad news. Bad news bears. You got to, they got stairs, guys. You make them. You bought them. Like, it's on. <laughs> You put them on the corporate credit card. You know they're there. You can just use them. Now you got to buy new legs. <laughs> company, the, the, those company legs. Those company legs. Any closing thoughts about Triple H or his music before, before we close the chapter on this edition of Ringtones? Any thoughts? Um, just that, like, I kind of... You know how there's that thing now when, like, the next generation comes, like, the kid or the cousin or whoever, and they, like, remix the theme to make it, like, darker? I really hope one of his girls starts wrestling and, like, mm. finds it and they becomes, like, the queen of queens or something. That'd be tight. That'd be pretty yeah, dope. that'd be pretty great. I would like that. Um, my main thought is that I think when he got one of those songs at first and he was really into it, he, he probably fucked to it a couple times. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the only way to test it out, right? You gotta, you gotta test the see, stroke. If, see if it changes the mood, yeah. you know? I bet you it was tough with that first song. Will you play it again, Julian? <laughs> first song, you can't. <laughs> you you can't even jerk gotta, off to that music. You gotta fuck a horse to that. That's the only thing you can do is fuck a horse. Look, it's horse fucking music. All right, Buttercup. Get ready. I'm going to climb up this step stool. Here we go. <clears throat> I'm done. See? See back yep. up? You know the most obnoxious uh, thing I've done after hooking up? I've, I've uh, On a handful of occasions, I've played uh, I Just Had Sex by the Lonely Island. <laughs> oh, my God. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, a true heel. A, a true heel. A true, a real life heel. My yeah. goodness. <laughs> Hannibal, thank you for telling us about your post-fuck music. Thank yes, you. And for real. joining us. That was a problem. Uh, thank you for having me. Yeah. Anything you want to promote, the, the floor is yours. Oh, thanks. I got my own podcast, The Handsome Rambler. We're 20-something episodes in, so uh, check that out. Now, um... Check out my tour dates, HannibalBarris.com. Yeah. There you go. That does it for Tights and Fights this week. We are a podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. This week, our host was me, Julian Burrell. But normally, it's Hal Loveland, Danielle Radford, and Mike Eagle. Senior producer on Maximum Fun is Laura Swisher. You can find us all week online at Facebook.com slash groups slash Tights Fights or at Tights Fights on Twitter. We'll be back next week with the full version of the show to talk even more, you guessed it, wrestling. Tights and Fights Podcast. Tights and Fights. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.